What's going on, Jordan? How you doing, man? How you doing this morning? You know, I'm good. Well, I first want to say thank you for waking up this morning. Hey, you're welcome, Ryan. I would like to say not thank you for making me get up this morning. <laughs> what do you think about that? Oh, I appreciate the uh, the gesture there, but uh, I gotta give you a little bit of crap after sleeping in uh, yesterday when we were supposed to record. So I yeah, I'd call true. you out in front of everybody right now. Our yeah. our massive audience in our uh, you know our na- nationwide as well as international audience that we have. Yes, I'd like to thank all y'all for listening, and um, I'd like to thank Brian for jabbing at me, a really sensitive subject in our past, and our history. Jordan waking up on time is uh, not something that normally happens. Oh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, imagine that. You know, Brian, that was years ago, okay? I'm an adult now, and I wake up on time, so... And believe it or not, that's not a segue into our conversation about timeliness or being prompt. Our conversation today is actually going to be a little bit more uh, lighthearted, uh, but it's still an interesting uh, and potentially, you know, controversial topic between you and your friends. But it's uh, about hunting. Um, and, hunting. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and uh, kind of what Jordan and mine's exposure uh, to the event of hunting, uh, some of the stereotypes that both of us have as well as what we feel and uh, why why we have the opinions that we have. Um, a hunting we will go, a hunting we will go. And uh, I think... It's a song, right? I, I'm sure it is. It is now. Maybe it we should record it. It totally is a song. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you, Jordan, um, to start it all off. I wanted to say, hey, Tell me about a little bit about your experience with hunting. You know, when did it come into your life, and uh, and your thoughts about it? Because I know they're not the same as mine. Yeah, they are, Brian. We have the exact same thoughts on hunting. Do we? And podcast. And pod. And podcast. <laughs> Thanks yeah. all for listening. I appreciate it. Go like us Thank on Facebook. Thank you all. Thank you all for listening. So, good question, Brian. I, you know, my feelings on hunting have really evolved since I was a younger kid. And my point in expressing them is not to demonize the, you know, the act of hunting or the sport of hunting. Well, it kind of is to demonize the sport of hunting, kind of. But, um, I, you know, I, I understand that there are a wide array of situations out there, um, and I feel like just something that's resonated with my soul since I was a young boy is um, I, I have a hard time killing things in general. Like, I'd be a terrible soldier on the battlefield. Actually, you know, put an asterisk in that because I feel like, for whatever reason, I was, like, when I was watching movies and stuff, I had less of a reaction when, like, someone, like a human would die in a movie Versus like a dog. That's like very a dog interesting. Would die, that is very I'd like, interesting. I'd like cry my eyes out, but, but if what, a human would die, I'd be like, eh, yeah. whatever. This is a movie. I'm like, but no, old yeller, no. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Suffice it to say, like when I was younger, um, I was just a boy, like everyone else. Uh, I had a magnifying glass. I would fry ants. Um, I think we all did stuff but, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think in short, what kind of happened is uh, I would go camping and hunting with my dad and my uncle and our neighbor and it was kind of just this manly machismo awesome I'm out with the boys we're out camping there's a fire there's gasoline four-wheelers all that great stuff you know um, and one time I had a pellet gun or like a BB gun and I would go around and me and my friend would just shoot little birds like starlings okay. sparrows okay and um, I think we racked up like seven to ten of these little birds. Man, just, you're killing my fellow aviators, man. I know. We were like stalking around the forest. And we were cracking, you know, we were crack shots, man. We were good. And that, I think maybe that was the point is like to prove that we could hit, something hit the small. target. Yeah. Yeah. 
but you know, we'd, we'd shoot it with our air rifles and watch it flutter to the ground. And we'd go over there, pick up its little body, bring it back to camp, and kind of like display it, like, look what we got. And then we'd throw it right in the fire, just, and it would incinerate it. Um, and then one time I was kind of, I just overheard my dad and my uncle talking. I, I don't think they knew I was awake. I was just in the tent and I'd woken up and they were talking. And I heard them talking about, I, I can't even remember the context, but the thing that really stood out to me is um, they were referring to how I was just killing birds. And I, the implication that I got from that is that I was just killing for no reason, basically. They weren't passing judgment. They weren't saying he's a little shit. You know, they were just having a conversation. We about needed it. To, we need to send them away to boarding school. Yeah, like nothing like that. They were just talking about it, and I remember the thing that um, stood out was he'll, you know, one day he'll learn, but let's let him learn in his time, basically. And that morning, I learned. Like it was, you know, I I must have cared that much about impressing my dad and my uncle. Yeah, um, or either that or it resonated with me. And ever since, I just I can't, I don't. It doesn't sit well with me. The idea of killing an animal for asterisk no reason, Brian. I know. So, all right, all right. How about that? Like killing an animal for no reason. Sa, how about that? Okay. So, t- tell me. <laughs> I mean, tell me your thoughts on it. I guess. You yeah. Know? Um, and uh, you know, I can't. I can't deny your your feelings in the sense of, and and I completely understand where you come from, and it, and it makes complete sense of killing an animal for no reason. Uh, for me. Uh, my my kind of background, um, I call what I do now adult onset hunting. I didn't grow up uh, in a hunting family. Uh, I didn't I didn't you know so, go deer hunting when I was. It sounds like Brent, a disease, right? Yeah, it sounds uh, serious. <laughs> yeah, I got it real bad. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't grow up hunting, going on deer hunts or duck hunts or anything like that as a kid. You know, I was in the Boy Scouts. We did you know rifle merit badges and shotguns and stuff like that. And we were around guns, but we weren't. You know, my family wasn't it had the steep tradition in taking us out hunting. But what my what I remember is at a young age, I remember we were living in our property in Templeton, California, and uh, it was pretty pretty dry in our climate, and there's lizards everywhere, right? And we had a pile of wood or somewhere, and I God, I had to have been if it was in Templeton, I probably had to be somewhere of the age of five ish, and I was watching these lizards go around, and I remember taking. I think it was a piece, either a piece of wood or a rock, and smashing and killing a lizard. Right? Oh my! Right, Ryan. I know, I know, terrible. Right? Well, smart on my mom. My mom caught me doing this, and she made me grab that lizard, put it in some sort of container, and bury it. And I learned never kill an animal without a point. There always should be a reason that if you're going to kill something, don't just kill animals to kill animals to for your own humor and i learned that right then and there at that young age and it has resonated with me for the rest of my life and it's interesting that how two of us have similar stories of you know killing animals for no reason and it's now veered off into two different things um yeah because i I mean Go ahead. Not to Go interrupt, ahead. Brian, but you know, I wouldn't put it past your mom to have made you eat it. Yeah, well, I think we did fry that's it. Up a, later. That's where I thought you were going with that story. <laughs> yeah, she did make us do some pretty crazy <laughs> stuff in terms of punishments. So eating a lizard that I had killed. Yeah, maybe maybe she learned. She taught me how to quarter it and skin it, and, and then, uh, you know, send it to the butcher to to eat the lizard. Uh, <laughs> and make and make a snake skin. Boot. Uh, lizard skin. I don't know. Snake skin. A, a, teeny, a teeny little boot. <laughs> a teeny little boot. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, that that was my first, you know, that's the first memory I have in terms of killing something was that lizard. And, and that has resonated with me. And so I got introduced to hunting uh, kind of post-college even with, uh, you know, I, I, I went duck hunting with my buddy one time and really don't call it duck hunting. We just grabbed a bunch of shotguns, went to his property and uh, there was a lake. Uh, or a little pond on his property. We pond hopped. I shot a duck, skinned it, cleaned it, and he put it in the freezer. So it wasn't like it was, uh, you know, anything too crazy. Uh, But I didn't really see much after that. Uh, I didn't get to take the duck home or eat it or anything like that. I just kind of provided food for his family, but didn't um, do it for myself. 
what I, I did get exposed to about four or five years ago was one of my good buddies, Brian. He's my old college roommate. Actually, his dad's the one whose ranch I'm living on right now and work for. Uh, has always invited me to go elk hunting in Wyoming with him. And uh, it was, at, you know, for circumstances such as the military and college and uh, being, you know, in Alabama, I never really got to go to these hunts until about four years ago that I really had the opportunity and the time to take uh, to do it. And so I did and grabbed a, you know, a bow and a borrowed a bow from Steve's wife, Colette, and then borrowed a rifle from my dad. And we went out to uh, Wyoming and to hunt some elk. And uh, I can tell you what, man, that experience for me was unreal. It was, you know, in, in an essence, it was being out in this primal nature where you are in their territory, in their land. And you're a guest of their their area, and you're having to learn about that animal, everything. It's not just walking, parking the truck, walking up to the first thing you see and shooting something. I mean, the success the success rate for, for hunting elk is anywhere from like, I want to say it's like 10 to 20% uh, for most hunters. So that's, it's not very, you, you know, getting an, getting an elk is, is not something that's just, you know, is, is a click of a, a button and you get it just because you want an elk, you're going to get an elk. Uh, it's a process, and you have to be good at what you do. Um, but again, there's extremes for every every side of it. You have the guys that decide to go to an enclosed, high fence pasture, you know, on ten acres with a bunch of elk. They pay thousands of dollars, and they walk up and they just pull up a rifle and shoot things. That's not the kind of hunting I I like to do, nor do I uh, promote. Uh, I think there's something sacred uh, in going into an area like we do and back, you know, eight, nine miles, we hike in, bring some horses in to bring our stuff in. We spend seven to 10 days out there. Um, you're in the, in the wilderness and you're tracking this couple hundred pound animal for sustenance. So well, that's, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where my, my hunting. So lies. Brian, the way you're speaking about it makes it sound like it's kind of, I don't want to goes extreme as saying it's like native american in its um reverence or its attitude but it's certainly different from i guess you could say the stereotype or what we what i think i i think i'm pretty on point with what the stereotype of like a redneck hunter is yeah i would i would agree or i guess i I should um split those two apart like I, i think like redneck gets associated with hunter a lot and um, let me grab my you know, shotgun and shoot that squirrel right there. We're gonna have that yeah, for dinner. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Or I mean, you know, I love the Duck Dynasty guys, but you know, they uh, they're definitely a little bit extreme sometimes out there. I think it's pretty cool what they do. It's they don't waste anything, and I, they definitely yeah. eat what they what they shoot. But I think you're right. I think there's a there's a stereotype out there, especially for non hunters who right. hear the word hunting. The first thing they see or in their mind is a guy with a Confederate flag hat, a trucker hat, <laughs> you know, some camouflage, a boot, a shotgun, and a, and a big old truck with a deer sitting out of the backside of it, you know? And a, and a lip full of dip. And a lip full of dip. Probably a beer hanging from his, you know, his ha- other hand. Um, or his beer helmet, Brian. And his, and his, maybe he's even got a wife beater on his beer helmet. Yeah, yeah a wife right? beater, beer yeah. helmet, and a mullet. No, I, I understand that. I completely understand that's where the stereotype is. However, comma, I hope that people take the time to kind of realize that it's not about that. It really is not about, you know, okay, there is those people just like there's the crazy anti-hunters that want to, you know, there's extremes on either side. Any, any, any section of society, you can't lump people all together in one, in one thing. You have to look at it as an individual basis. Right, you got to look at it from you and me and my hunting experience and your hunting experience. Not oh, everybody in Utah's hunting experience and everybody in California's hunting experience. Is that the moral lesson of this podcast? Is that where we're taking this? Yeah, I think I think we could take it that way. Absolutely, I think lumping people into groups uh, is uh, it's it's. I know we do it. I mean, because it's easy, right? You know, all people from the South are lazy and fat, Right. right? It's yeah. it's just a stereotype, and and what do they say with stereotypes? There's obviously some essence of truth that right. starts that stereotype. Um, but you can't you can't lump people together, and I think that's what the problem is today. Is we put these titles with ourselves, like 
uh, hunter, anti-hunter. I'm a Republican. You're a Democrat. You love Trump. I love Hillary. Yeah. You know, like that is well, a label we put on. Everybody who loves Trump must feel this way. Everybody who loves Hillary must love this. This, you know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that's yeah. We could we could speak forever about that and how the kind of the past election brought out that kind of garbage where it was so divisive and it, you know it we we just believed the popular narrative about what another group of people is like instead of actually listening to them and and hearing for ourselves what they're like but you know getting back to hunting um i, I i'm trying to envision i mean I, I i think i can pretty well envision because I, you know, I used to go hunting, and I felt that camaraderie. I feel like absolutely. And, um, if I were to take into account all the different varying perspectives that people have, you know, I know one time I went hunting. <clears throat> no, one time I was out uh, in the desert with my uncle and my dad, and we were um, riding our four wheelers around out by Vernon Reservoir in Utah, and just having a great time it's like sagebrush desert there's some mines over and about that area and we like to go to explore them and i remember we came up to a mine and um there was a a raccoon there that was that had like its entrails like hanging out but it was still alive and i remember that being kind of traumatic um and uh, we had a little a Luger 22 pistol with us, uh, and my uncle basically just went up and he's like, "Can't let that thing like sit there and suffer," so he went and just popped it in the head, killed it, right? And as a young boy, I, I mean, I remember kind of being tra- traumatized about it, but being able to grasp the idea of what was happening. Yep. Yeah. My, my uncle was being mur- merciful, merciful to right? this animal, absolutely. Right. At the same time, same uncle and the same group of guys would thump cows with um, our bows, right? So you have, like, the little thumpers. We call them thumpers. I can't remember what they are, but they've got, like, the The, rubber tips. Yeah. And you're drawing back a 65-pound bow. That thing's got some force, right? Yeah, you're shooting cows with that thing. And we just shoot them in the hindquarters. You're just trying to tenderize the beef for everybody. Yeah, we're trying to tenderize it. Exactly. (laughs) But, you know... um, so we, we, like, same, it's interesting, the same, on the same side, or the same person, one side of the coin is merciful and let's, you know, end the suffering. The other side is like, let's torture a cow. Yeah. No, I, and, I think, I think that's the, that's the way we are with everything, man. If, if anybody says that they're 100% one way or the other, I think they'd be lying. Like, there's absolutely moments in our life that we, we have one view and opinion and then we can find moments where we're like, Oh crap, I really didn't follow that, that piece. Right. So, but it's, it's important just to, to kind of acknowledge that at least. Um, but yeah, hunting, hunting is, uh, man, I, I, I think it's amazing. And, and for me, you know, I was in, in preparation for this topic. I listened to one of my favorite podcasts out there. Um, and it's called meat eater. And I highly recommend it for those that are into hunting or even remotely into hunting or even not into hunting because the, the gentleman who uh, runs this podcast, um, Steve Ranella, is a absolute amazing hunter slash conservationist slash environmentalist. And So he's not the kind that like – he's not the um, – He's not like – Go ahead. What's the lion guy? The one that went out. Cecil the lion, dude. Yeah. No, he's not, he's not Cecil, Cecil the lion, the lion dude. Um, Are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> he's got a show. He's even got a TV show that's on Netflix. Like you can watch some of his episodes on Netflix called Meat Eater. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, he's actually the only hunting documentary or hunting show on Netflix. Um, he uh, or was at one point. He talks about, and I've read his books. He has a book about hunting called meat eater and kind of how he grew up and, and where his thoughts and background from hunting come. And he has one about the American Buffalo. Um, and his podcast are just amazing. But anyways, to, to where I'm going with this is I was listening to his podcast and he had on a gentleman who does political research or just research in general about public opinion, who is a hunter. And this guy did a study about figuring out what arguments 
would resonate with anti-hunters of why people hunt and what maybe what arguments help change people's opinions about hunting uh, to the positive uh, uh, so that, you know, let's say basically what he did is he took a thousand people and he pulled them a bunch of questions, demographics and stuff like that. And part of the question yeah. was on a scale of one to seven, how do you feel about hunting? And anybody who, and I don't know what he, what the metric he used, but anybody that was opposed to hunting was about 600 people, right? Uh, that, yeah. uh, of those a thousand, couple of a thousand or a couple thousand, 600 were uh, opposed to hunting. So a couple of weeks later, he had a follow up survey and he broke them into six different groups five uh with uh, uh reasons why people hunt and six was just a control group that he just uh showed like toaster ovens to or some sort of appliances to see if they change their opinion as their control group right so he gave these different arguments all right so these are the these are the arguments of why people hunt and then he pulled them again and said how does your feelings of hunting have they changed you know yes or no yeah okay so Five five reasons that he tested out, right? So it was pretty interesting. Reason number one, tradition. I've hunted, my dad's hunted, my grandparents hunted. It's tradition that I hunt, okay? So I'm, we'll go through all the different reasons, right, right frat, real, real fast. Tradition. tradition. So that's that was reason number one to try to convince an anti-hunter why I hunt, tradition. Two, uh, reason number two was if we don't, if we don't uh, hunt, there's going to be overpopulation of animals. You know, we're going to have deer running around, crashing into cars, and uh, and uh, taking and overgrazing and stuff like that. Hmm. Reason number three, I do it for the food. It's or, it's the most organic uh, food there is out there. Uh, I use everything in the sense of uh, eating it, um, and I provide for my family by sustaining um, a, a sustainable, uh, very organic source of meat. That's number three. Number four was uh, it is extremely regulated and bringing up the, the rules and regulations like buying a license, um, having quotas and biologists that determine how many animals a year need to be um, kind of uh, managed in the sense of, all right, so they want the elk population at a certain level or the bear population, or the wolf population, or the deer population. And they say, all right, we want it at a certain level. There's this many deer or elk. We're, hunters are this successful normally, so let's issue this many tags this year, right? Then they have a season. And it's not just, you know, unless it's something like a, a pig or a squirrel or something like that. There's there's a there's yeah. a set amount of season, right? And I'm, I'm rambling here, so if you have any questions, please just let me know. Um, yeah. So that's that's the third, the fourth argument was uh, about regulations. And then the fifth argument was about revenue and about how there is a uh, – I'm probably quoting it wrong, but I think it's called the Pittman-Robertson Act that was enacted in the 30s that basically taxes anything that has to do with uh, hunting um, revenue like rifles and stuff like that. There's a certain amount that goes into a federal fund um, that states can apply for to be used towards – fish and wildlife for conservation um, as well as all the fees and licenses and, the, and tags that you buy like 80 percent of that revenue helps fund public lands fish and wildlife management and so that was argument number five we're helping re, you know fund your public lands where we can go out there and, and go so those are the five different arguments okay so so what were the results right what what would you you know what of all those of all those does any of those resonate with you did did would you would you uh, with me yeah with you like as a as an yeah, I know well, you're you're not the anti hunter like you know you know f you for for hunting you just don't you prefer not to to kill an animal um, yeah and, and, well I kind of am that way I guess okay all right would would when any it's of those you, when it's you hunting yeah just me just me anyone else can hunt I just you know <laughs> it's something about all the you know, when you were my boss, Brian, I think you did some damage to me, oh, and I man. just want retribution. You just so I hold, to... I hold on to stuff. <laughs> You've been waiting to take it out on me. <laughs> yes, do not hunt. Um, no, um, you know, while you were reading those, I, I was trying to um, identify which ones were, uh, you know, which ones I resonated with. So briefly, just do a one through five real quick again. One tradition. Okay. Two overpopulation. Okay. Three, sustainable food. Okay. Four, regulations and the laws that people are, you know, they're, it's very well managed. Five is revenue 
for public lands? Tradition. Tradition? By far. That, that resonates will, with you, really. Well, that's what resonated with me. Okay, let me let me step back into my former self and what resonated with me when I empathized with hunting. True. When I wanted to be a hunter, it was because my dad did it. It's because my uncle did it. It's because my neighbor did it. It's my tribe hunted. That's cool. And, and I um, wanted to fit in. I, I wanted to, you know, be like my dad. I wanted to, you know, and th- that goes beyond hunting. Like, I wanted to fix cars. I wanted to, you know, my dad was a role model for sure. Still is. But um, I think that's that's probably the driving force that got me hunting in the first place. So now when we go down the list to number two, which is... Um, Overpopulation. Don't give a crap. I, I do see that. I mean, like, if that's a problem, then that's okay, right? But I, and, and I think... Yeah, I think if there's, a, like Catalina Island, the place where we have uh, roots in common, there's, they had problems with non-native species just destroying the ecosystem right there, right? So they had goats that would, and, and uh, boars that would dig up roots and things like that, yeah. and they were just decimating the island. Um, and those, those animals weren't native there, and they just kept breeding and overpopulating, and they became so prolific that... Um, you know, you couldn't walk down the trail without seeing one of them. Well, you know, for that reason, I, I can see why, you know, a conservationist or a, conserva- a conservancy like um, the one on Catalina Island would take steps to um, get the place back to a, a healthy ecosystem, right? A healthy state. Absolutely. And and so, yeah, like, I mean, with re- within reason, like stepping in and intervening that way, open shoot, man. Like... I remember Bill telling us stories of, like, the army would issue, like, giant blocks of cheese that they just put out into the middle of the parade grounds, and he'd sit up on his deck and just pop pigs, man. He'd just sit there and shoot them. That is crazy. I think they even did helicopter hunts with those things. Oh, they did? Yeah. Yeah. Like, at night to kind of, it was like night vision. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it, but he would just sit there and shoot them. Um, Again, like, the thought of it is kind of like, eh. I, it doesn't. It's not pleasing to me. I don't like to see things die or whatever. But at the same time, um, Bill had his reasons. Like there was a bigger reason for it, and um, he said they got some really good bacon out of it. So <laughs> I can't fault him for that. Bacon's so good. Okay. So so number two, and then number three is um, for your own food. Yeah. Or was that four? That was three. Okay. So I don't really identify with that. And again, I think that just kind of goes back to, I don't, um, I li- I'm spoiled brat. I live in modern society where the nearest grocery market is three blocks away from me, you know, and I could literally walk there and buy anything on the shelf. I buy everything on the shelf, Brian. I'm loaded. Loaded. Um, point being is, um, you know, I, there's, there's such an assortment of food, which is a, it's a, truly is a luxury. I think that um, it's easy to overlook and take for granted that, you know, just 50 years ago, things weren't as great as they are. Or like, especially 100 years ago, you couldn't just walk into a supermarket and get a, you know, you'd have to walk to the butcher or you'd have to whatever and you had a credit and it all depended on how well your crops did. And I don't know. So in that sense, I'm a spoiled brat. I don't give a crap about food when it comes to hunting. I mean, I'll catch a fish and eat that fish because fish are know. delicious. Yeah, fish are delicious, and I don't know. It, yeah, the more I'm talking about this, more I seem like a hypocrite. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's just yeah. It, uh, the only thing I can go back to is this: my personal preference. That's what I feel. And I, I don't fault you for you that. Know? I'm not here to. I'm not here to change your mind, and uh, and and just oh, just here to I talk. You were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm here to make you a hunter again. <laughs> Get me back in touch. Okay, so then number four was... The uh, um, regulations and management. So, like, not overpopulation, but... Oh, okay, yeah, the strict... Like, it's heavily regulated, so that's... Um, you know, I guess I'm just getting... It's more, like, not what resonates with me, but I guess my thoughts on it. And I think that's great. I think I think pointing out that... Um, that argument is is a good thing, right? So if it's something is incredibly regulated like that, um, 
and supervised by um, uh, you know an organization that that is keeping tabs on herd populations or whatever it may be then I'd say that's a, overall a good thing some people would argue well you know you're taking away from my freedom like I'm, I'm going to I need to sustain my family which I would say no you don't there's a grocery market like a grocery store you can go get that stuff there so yeah I, I mean I, I tend to think that that's really a good thing the regulation um, when it's followed right absolutely so I'd say that's a big caveat and, and when I'd say most people do. I, I tend to have faith in humanity, um, at least um, in my experience here in the United States and, and most other places I've been. I think that people, despite their differences in opinion and, and experience, tend to be good. And so if there's a law, I think most people try to respect it. Um, I, I would agree with you. Law. I would agree with you. And yeah. I think most the most typical hunt, American hunter is going to be following those laws and regulations because yeah. it is. It's a, it's illegal to shoot a deer, cut off its head, leave the rest of the body, walk away from it. I mean, like, you have to be – you're supposed to be a responsible uh, adult and a, a responsible hunter yeah. in, in policing that all, all that up uh, and yeah. using the, the appropriate pieces for what you need to do. So – Absolutely, right. that I believe that most people um, follow uh, follow the rules. So that again, you have the people that don't. Yeah. But just like we have, have people outliers. that don't, we have people that speed. Right. We have people that drive fifteen, twenty miles yes. over the speed limit all the time. So you're always going to have yeah. your outliers. For sure. And number five was number five. Revenue. Revenue. So you mean we're talking like Pittman um, Robinson Act? You know f- about uh, how it right selling licenses and and funneling those back into public lands, wildlife and preserves, wildlife prom- and, and conservation and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. Th- I mean, I think that's a great idea. I think it's. Um, I think those types of things offset probably just about any negative. Like, again, I don't have data to back this up. Just anecdotal experience, and I'm having to be honest. Like part of me has had some experiences with hunters that just freak me out man like and they, I feel like their they their attitudes towards killing gives the overall hunting population a bad name right so this gets back kind of to our um, our stories as children but also back to your experience as a hunter when you go out to Wyoming or Montana. Where, where do you go, right? Wyoming. Wyoming. And you're out in the bush for a week on horseback. And, you know, if a storm comes, like, survival, it's survival technique. Like, fortunately, you have a tent or whatever. But, like, I, I think you bring up a lot of points. Like, you're there's reliance on each other. There's preparation involved. There's um, survival instinct and having to get in touch with nature and, and who you are as an animal as opposed to um, just getting out there for sport, like skeet shooting or like golfing or, I mean, whatever it may be, it just, like, uh, instead of it being a competition, there's that sense of camaraderie and connection with nature. So I see that. um, Where I get, I I don't know, like, I feel like there's a, the, the stereotype is being challenged with your experience but it's also kind of hard to envision as well. Like a bunch of dudes. You feel like I'm kind of a minority. Maybe like, uh, no, I I don't. I just, I'm saying I've had experience with people where they're so cavalier and nonchalant about killing that it's spooky. It's like they're, they, they brags just about like, Oh, you see that shot or like all this blood came out and it's like, really? Like, um, I get the whole, like, you're going out there, you've kind of almost got a Native American, um, or I guess you'd say the stereotypical Native American experience when it comes to hunting. I don't know if you're going up to the animal and, you know, putting your hands on it and thanking Mother Nature for, or thanking the elk for its spirit or whatever they do in Dances with Wolves, which is about my extent of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> all my all my judgment or, on Native American tradition is, comes from that movie. All my judgment, man. <laughs> All my judgment, <laughs> or, or like, um, 
I'm, I mean, I'm, I'd be happy to be um, dispelled. And, and I'm again, I'm not passing judgment on your experience and, and what you're doing. I just think it, it does kind of defy that stereotypical, like, we're getting around and just talking the machismo. Like, um, I'm going to shoot deer just so I can have a wall full of deer heads. Just so I can, you know, stuff a duck and mount it and, you know, put it up on my wall and display for whatever reason, a dead animal in my uh, den or whatever it may be. It know, all so, comes yeah, back it, to the, the, the root cause of why you're doing it, right? Um, and maybe uh, our, I think I think you know may, that I think that's what you what you you want. What in, in, I might be putting words into your mouth, but what I, what I'm listening and I'm hearing is you want that person to kind of empathize and have a little bit more reverence when they go out and respect for what they're doing instead of just kind of taking it nonchalantly, killing something fucking, whether they eat it or not, and bring it, you know, home. But if if their attitude is one of respect and appreciation, to you, that's a little different than somebody who just like, hell yeah, man, look at that, I just blew its head off, you know? Um, right. And, and killed something. And I, I understand Which, that. Yeah. I get that 100%. I don't think, and in a perfect world, I'd love everybody to feel you know, reverence and respect for animals too. Uh, yeah. I don't think there needs to be an emotional, um, you know, how, are you hunting because you respect animals kind of thing? Like we can't get everybody. We, we're not a utopian society and you know, no, I mean? we can't. and it's unfortunately we're going to have our, our people like that. But all we can do is hope to pass on traditions, traditions, uh, like hunting and the respect for with our kids and our friends yeah you know maybe just like steve introduced me to hunting in the way he did you know i i feel like i have gained a lot of respect for him and that way uh, and even enjoyed it and i feel like it is it is there is a primal um aspect to it you know i'm not you know even and people hunt so many different ways and i mean and i'm just a, a big game hunter in terms of elk man you got duck hunters and you have you know, you have other pig hunters and you have yeah. sheep hunters. I mean, there's like, there's just so many fishers, different types. You got all sorts of, yeah. So, I mean, people hunt bear and people hunt wool. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a wide topic. Um, and there's so many different types of people in it. You have to te- treat it on an individual basis. And, and it's unfortunate that most of the people that you've interacted with have, un- have, have displayed that machismo, I don't give a shit about an animal kind of thing. Uh, whereas the, the people that I've been exposed to in hunting have all had respect. They don't kill things, um, you know, just to, I mean, I would say yeah. just don't kill things to kill things, but they, they have a little bit more tact to it and they're not like, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's not a, well, yeah. And, and I, I think to like, we could take this another direction too, in that, um, Prior to the advent of supermarkets and the luxury of me being able to go buy a slab of meat that I have no connection to, that was a part of hum- human life, right? Unless you were strictly vegetarian, which, man, I, as, as a Western society, I don't think we've ever been strictly vegetarian. Um, so there has always been a connection with animals and slaughtering them, like to some extent, where um, I need meat to feed my family, I have a cow. The problem with us being human, I think, well, there's no problem with us being human. It's just the way it is. (laughs) But um, I, I think the challenge we run into and the thing that I would like to put forth, yeah, I think you articulated it well, Brian, that um, there should be a more of an emotional attachment, but, um, I think whether there should be or shouldn't be, that's kind of like relative to your morals and your standards. Some people give a crap about animals. Can you sleep? And some societies don't like, it's just like they are other things. They're lesser beings, but um, they're lesser beings. (laughs) They're lesser. They're not human. Brian, (laughs) God created them for us and for our use. Um, no, I, I watched this um, YouTube channel. Um, it's one of my favorites. It's called Vsauce. Highly recommend it. Shameless plug. But he did this thing on isolation. And, oh, no, I'm trying to think. 
No, this is a different one. But he, he they did this uh, little tidbit on connection as humans and what the crap we will form relationships with and whether, like, do we prefer forming relationships over isolation? Okay. And the conclusion, like, spoiler alert, go watch it. It's still really good. But, like, here's the crux of it. They put this dude in a room with a little contraption, had a button, looked fun to play with and touch or whatever. Uh, but when you push the button, it shocked you. It, like, zapped you, gave you a good zap, right? And so um, this one guy goes in. And he's a the subject they're studying. Um, and there are two actors in there with him. And one of the actors is like, okay, well, what's going on? And he looks at this um, contraption, touches it, shocks him. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, like, ew, that shocked me. And then the the guy who's being studied is like, what the heck? He's like, yeah, here, try it. And he puts it over to him. The guy touches it. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And then they come in. They're like, hey, so what the heck? What did you think about that shocking thing? He's like, it sucked. I hated it. Like, it didn't feel good. Why'd you do it? Well, you know. I thought I'd try it once just to see what it's like, you know? Okay. So then they move on with the study. They put him in a room alone. And they're like, okay, here's the part we're going to study. Um, you're just going to have 30 minutes of isolation in this room. And it's, I mean, it wasn't like white walls padded. It was like chair, table, bookshelf, um, and that little contraption on the table. Interesting. So they sit there and they're watching him. They're studying him, filming him. He sits down, he looks around, looks around the room, and he's fidgeting, and he's looking under the chair, and he's doing all this crazy stuff. And then he looks over at the contraption, and he just stares at it. And you can, like, see where this is kind of going. Like, how funny are we as humans? Um, and then he, like, slaps it, like a cat. Like, imagine a cat just, like, <laughs> boxing something. Yeah. So, like, kind of taps it, and he's, like, tapping it and, like, feeling it, and then he, like, puts his finger on the button... And then he pushes it down and shocks himself again. And he's like, ah, oh, and like shakes his hand. And, and then he's like, and looks back at it and he like kind of giggles. <laughs> and then, and then like a minute or two later, he touches it again. No way. It shocks himself. Like what? Delivers pain deliberately to himself. And then they're like, okay, they stop the study. They walk in and they start asking him questions. They're like, why'd you do that? Like prior to that, you said you hated it. You said it sucked. Yeah. I think the, the message there was like that they were trying to study or point out was like, we are so empathic, like as a species, we just have um, mirror neurons and we see someone crying and makes us want to cry. It, we see someone like skins their, we see someone who skins their knee and we're like, you know? Um, and, um, and then I heard a quote or something that tied in with this, but basically we have feelings for animals too. We form relationships with anything. I could form a relationship if I was alone on an island. It's a classic castaway thing, right? Formed a relationship with a volleyball. Yeah. Named it Wilson. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know that's a movie, but I think it portrays a really interesting point. Like we form relationships, which, um, kind of allows us to be empathic, Right. So I guess I, my takeaway from this would be, um, and I think you've hit on it, you kind of articulated it well, but um, when I see an animal with eyeballs that's looking around and gets all tense when uh, it's spooked or it's like eating food or it has young, right? I think the biggest, man, the biggest uh, heart-wrenching thing is like the Bambi Yeah, I was going to say, you're probably that ba- you know, right? Bambi I'm going to bring Bambi up, right? Yeah. But, like, I, that's kind of where I think about it. I'm like, that deer, although, like, I could, I got two, I have a couple ways I could look at this. And I guess painting the picture would be on one extreme, it's just a bag of bones and fur and blood and meat. It's an animal just like that, us, right? I mean, it's, it's right. got well, instincts. Well, I mean, it, it fits into an ecosystem. And I could shoot it and, you know say lobby and it's over and whatever but on the other side is like the bleeding heart which is like man that thing has a mommy and a daddy and it may have a kid like what if i shoot this like there's all these like ethical almost implications yeah but what just what if a wolf comes up and you know snatches that thing up does it think does it give a crap about whether it has a mom or a kid 
it's just part of you know well, primal primal nature. Are you a wolf, Brian? Say again. Are you a wolf? I am a I am a animal, and I am part of the animal kingdom, and I have teeth that allow me to eat meat, and it's part of our in our human DNA to uh, yeah. eat meat and vegetables. So yes, I'm not a, a wolf, but I definitely am a predator. Brian, does the wolf have the ability to drive down to Kroger and buy a roast? See, this is funny because I know that's the argument that you <laughs> you do not like and it does not resonate with you at all. But it's actually, you know, going back to those five arguments, it's the one that I think is the most important because I think there's something hypocritical in the sense that you're willing to, to take yourself and that cow was killed somehow, right? That cow was killed. Somebody killed that cow for you processed it no, and it put it in a supermarket causes, Brian. where I have gone out <laughs> and, and have approached that animal and killed it and then brought it in. And I know exactly where it comes from, you know? So right. I, I, I don't judge you, but I think it's, I think it's funny that that's, yes, that, you do. I, I think that's funny. That is the argument you are judging the shit that, out of me. That you do not <laughs> agree with. That's funny because you know, it's actually surprising to, to, to tie back to those arguments to yeah. talk a little bit about that study. Of, of yeah. those five, the one that that actually worked, the two, actually, there's two that really didn't resonate with people, and it was tradition, and it was overpopulation. And tradition, Weird. I and it was just surprising that you, you resonated and that helped you, because the people, for tradition-wise, is like, well, we've always had slavery, uh, we've always had racism, just because it's a tradition uh. doesn't mean that it's right. And that was people's, uh. you know, that's what he assumed, you know, he didn't, he didn't well, make any yeah. assumptions with his data, but that's what, you know when talking to people about why tradition is not yeah. an argument, it's well, just because it's tradition doesn't make it, make it right. It was a tradition for us to well, enslave yeah. people or I'd not have women vote or anything that, like that way. Now, Brian, I that's, I tend to lean more that way now. Like you don't just do things because we've done them forever, okay. uh, but I, I'd say that's why I resonated with it agreed. when I was younger. Agreed. But that, so those yeah. two arguments did not resonate with non hunters. The sustainable meat definitely did. Uh, the regulations really did too because you know i don't think people some people you know you know you had the privilege of hunting before but maybe some some again making complete assumptions on the data he didn't he didn't ask people why but making the assumption of people maybe just didn't understand that there was a it wasn't just drive to the side of the road any time of the day you want to or any time of the year and shoot something just because i want to shoot something there is an actual study and there's a process to it and maybe that's why people are like oh okay maybe maybe there's some thoughts so that that as a hunter I need to then take that as let me educate non-hunters about the process that it takes to go out and why people are selecting and how people get tags. Like this year for for elk, I have to, you have to put in for a lottery. I didn't get drawn. I am not going to go kill an elk in Wyoming this year uh, because I did not get selected to go do that. Um, well, are you still going to go? I'm still going because my buddy got drawn, and I'm going to help so him get cook. So I'm not going to kill anything. But he, I'm going to help him get something because he drew. But you're the cook. I'm the cook, yeah. I'm going to be the guide. <laughs> um, and then the, uh, the the revenue one, I guess, didn't really, didn't really, as far as I remember, didn't really resonate because people were like, well, I don't care about money kind of thing. Um, but huh. but it was interesting. But, yeah, that's funny that, yeah. that you know, the, the, the one that I felt I resonate with is the, the sustainable food. And, yeah. and you know, if you eat meat and you think hunting is bad yeah, and you, and you ostracize <laughs> hunting, I think that is the most stere- or the most hypocritical thing out there. It, Whatever, Brian, I have a, I have a rebuttal to that. Go for it. I eat, I eat tenderized beef that's been grass fed. I don't like wild game. How do you know it's it? not, it's where it came from? It, you're, you're taking that on, on assumption that that person has fed that thing grass for its entire life, right? Brian. It says so right on the package, <laughs> grass-fed beef. And you know what? It tastes good. It's tender. It's not gamey. How do you know that's not elk? Did you kill it? I know, Brian. <laughs> I know what cow tastes like. Uh, what, next thing you're going to tell me is chicken's elk or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's that's actually the conspiracy. Ass. That's the conspiracy that the, the government's <laughs> been pushing on you is all that. Dude. All that is no, not actually. No, uh, I mean, I, I think I'll have to relent to that one. I, I, I really agree. I mean, I, you have a solid point there, and 
to that point, um, I think that my feelings aside, I, I, I kind of count myself fortunate that I get to spare my own discomfort in killing an animal. Like I just, I don't like, I don't kill spiders, Brian. It's really weird. I don't like spiders. They scare the bejesus out of me sometimes. Like when they startle me, like when I don't expect them, but even then, like maybe in a reaction, I would like react and kill it. But like, if I see a spider crawling across my four, um, I don't stomp on it. Uh, or if it's on the wall, I will get a cup and I'll trap it and I'll get it and I'll take it outside. So I'm probably on the extreme end of like, I won't kill things, you know, like I I do my best not to um, overtly hurt and kill things, you know, not counting flies, mosquitoes, the really annoying, stupid stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm punching holes in my own argument, Brian. I'm not saying anything. I'm going to let you keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I think that people like you, um, who who can kind of face that primal thing like i mean let's take it back a couple thousand years when we were like hunter gatherers like you didn't hunt you didn't live correct. you didn't eat correct so um and, and we can like push it also into the future right so world war three is going to happen here soon thanks donald trump <laughs> <laughs> Or I, I, whether it happens or not, like um, the point being, it could be a big old apocalypse. Um, it could be like a giant uh, you know, zombie, a big worldwide epidemic that wipes out half the population. Point being, like what happens when like electricity, um, you know, we have such, something so cat- catastrophic that we can't just go to the supermarket. There's no supply. There's no infrastructure anymore for those types of things. Well, if I don't, have, if I've not developed a skill set to go kill an animal, I may be at a real disadvantage. I mean, fortunately, I'd have people like you, and and you can't eat an entire elk by yourself. Oh, sure, I can. Uh, <laughs> eventually, maybe. Yeah, over a couple couple years. Yeah, um, but and and I, you know, I've fortunately I've never been faced with that. But I feel like maybe if I um, if push came to shove, I feel like I could take the stereotypical native the dances with wolf native american approach of shooting the tatanka for and taking its heart out and take, taking a bite of it or its liver or whatever that thing was all right so what uh, you're saying is i won this argument is what you're trying to say you know what Brian? <laughs> this is one of many to come so you can have i'm it. just playing i'm just playing this, this it's whatever right like i like i even care i'm gonna go Buy, I'm going to go cook some meat that I bought from the store. Good, what do you think good. About that? Some bacon that you have no idea. That's not that's not pig bacon. That's elk bacon. Brian. <laughs> hey, when you come out here to visit, you I will cook you up some some of this fr- freezer full of uh, both elk and beef that we have uh, here. We have two st- outside freezers full of meat uh, that has been produced either by our cows or by things that we have hunted. Hey. I'm I'm game for that. No pun intended. No pun intended. I like that. <laughs> I uh yeah. I had elk just like probably like a month ago. Okay. It was I think right. you told me that. Yeah. I mean it was, it was Well, fine. and here's here's something you might not know. When you buy wild game, it was at a restaurant or was it somebody's elk? Oh no, someone's house, someone's shop. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, when you buy it at a restaurant, let's say you have elk at a restaurant, because yeah. did you know it's illegal to sell wild game? Like I shot something, I didn't know that. I can't sell that for profit. It's illegal. Not even if it was like jerky. Nope. Seriously. The way is that a California rest- thing? No. The way restaurants and stuff get around that is those are farm raised animals. They're not wild game. They're farm raised. So that elk so you're it's having a farm in a, raised elk. That elk you're having in uh, in a restaurant or wild pig or something is farmed. Yep. Wow. You can't. You cannot. You cannot profit from the the sale of wild game. You can give it to a buddy, and you can yeah. you know let your buddy have some jerky, but nope, you cannot can't sell. Profit you from can't it. profit from the sale of wild game. Uh, that's probably. I mean, that's a good thing. No, absolutely. Otherwise, that's, I feel like that... it goes back to the uh, the time in the late eighteen hundreds when we just killed off all of our wild Decimated game buffaloes. by by uh, you know selling you know buffalo hides or just the pieces of it or you know trapping in in, in, it's just well i feel like we could dive down a rabbit hole with this one because you 
you know, that's another issue in other countries, like where there are exotic animals or what we Shark consider fins exotic. or yeah, people ivory. shoot a rhino and soft its horn, yeah, absolutely, and because it's you know they can there's a demand in their economy for it. Where agreed, I yeah, know. and that's and I and I think that was an important step in our. Uh, evolution and, and growth as a as a nation to kind of put yeah. do away with that so yeah i, yeah. I in, in one aspect i go oh man like it would be cool to make a profit and make a living doing that like an old you know trapper like a trapper but uh yeah. you know I, I i understand where it comes from and i understand yeah. because people just like everything will take it to the extreme and yeah. we'll get couldn't to quite possibly make it couldn't make it sustainable yeah. in the slightest yep. absolutely absolutely Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been saying that a couple of times. I know Jordan called me out on how many times I say absolutely. <laughs> every time I say it, every time I say it, uh, I, I, uh, I go, dang it. Why did I just say that word? <laughs> we're we're going to do a contest. So it's going to be like, count the absolutely. And if you get the right number, if you're like the first one to get the right number, then we'll give you a prize. Or yeah. Something, something like we'll that. We'll figure it out. Oh man. Well, I think, uh, this is a good conversation. I think, you know, I think we wrapped it up pretty well. Um, I mean, there may be some loose ends out there, but suffice it to say, uh, be responsible. Just be, don't be a dick. I think that's the, don't be a dick. I think the, that's uh, what message. we said in our first episode, right? That's, uh, what we yeah, shoot, don't be a dick, we shoot man. to, uh, do with this podcast is just not, don't be a dick. Yeah. Just think about what you're doing. Don't, don't, don't use your rat brain so much. Use your, you know the brain that gives you pause and makes you think about stuff. Like, are you having an impact on your environment? Are you being respectful? Are you, um, building stronger relationships, not just with other people, but with, you know, your, your surroundings and all those things. I would agree with 100% on that one, Jordan. Um, it, 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 whatever topic we talk about it, that's what it always comes down to is, uh, I think so. Have, have have some respect, take a look at it and, uh, you know, can't judge a book by its cover. Know where your food comes from. Also, know where your food comes from. <laughs> um, but no, we. Hey, Sweet. you know, I I want to thank everybody who's who's made it this far. This is uh, episode yeah, five. Episode dude. five. This is crazy. Woo! I know we've done five. Uh, we're getting more and more listeners every time. Um, I wanted to do a shout out real quick. I got a our first uh, review on the iPod, yeah. iTunes uh, podcast. Came from. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this uh, name, but it's like Krashner, K R A H S N R. Gave us five stars and said, these guys are great. And I was like, that's awesome. We got our first review. Yeah. So thank you, brother or lady or sister, uh, whoever you may be. <laughs> <laughs> For that uh, shout out. Um, no idea who you are, but we appreciate it. Uh, we've got great feedback yeah. from all our family, our friends, uh, people that you know aren't our family and friends. Yeah. And um, keep it coming. We uh, that's how we improve. Yeah, exactly. We've, we're enjoying doing this and uh, we have to keep putting out some some cool stuff. Um, you, do you want to talk about uh, episode 10 and then what we're planning for that is real quick so they can get an idea? Yeah. So, um, Brian is going to be in Salt Lake city here shortly. Um, and, uh, you know, as you all know, all you loyal fans, uh, we have an, a, quite the logistical challenge of recording these. It's not that awful, but Brian's in California, I'm in Utah. And so, uh, we have to record from afar and then kind of assemble our tracks together at a later point, but, uh, he's going to be here and we are going to, um, be discussing in person, uh, episode 10. And what we're thinking for that is we'd love to have any questions that you all have as listeners. Um, and there are a number of mediums in, in which you can send us questions. We have an email address, which is Brian comma podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, thank you for answering that, Jordan. Yes. Is that yes, right? Yes. Oh, you were asking me. I thought you were man. telling me to put me on the spot, and I was like, I was about ready to answer. No, you. <laughs> well, I mean, is it is it comic pod? It's comic podcasts with an Correct. S, right? Correct. Like plural, plural comma podcasts at gmail com. Email us if you have questions, um, and these can be questions about anything, um, as long as they're like, I guess you can ask anything. Whether we talk about it on air is going to be different. Yeah, that may be, that may be, we'll probably have discretion, um, especially if we have a ton of questions, which would be a great problem to have. Absolutely. Um, Hi. But we are going to, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so send us questions uh, on our Facebook page, on uh, our email. Uh, leave us comments, rate us. 
if you like us um we're hoping to take over joe rogan like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna climb the ranks we're, we're not gonna joe take rogan. over joe rogan we gotta first get on his no. show as a guest how about that oh that's right that's, that's or have him on have him on, on as a yeah, guest yeah that'd be cool yeah that'd be cool Joe, what's up? I'd love to. I'd love to be anyway. uh, a guest or have Steve Ranella as a guest, of, so we can keep changing your hunting opinions into the positive. Yeah, I mean they're not bad. I know. The, I the know. only reason I have any bad association with them is because I get it. You hunt because <laughs> I hunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I don't have any other problem with anyone else hunting. Brian. No, just me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Leave us. The, uh, thank you all so much. Uh, check out our Facebook. Our uh, rate us, leave us messages, send us emails, all those good things. Share it with and your friends, from please. The bottom of our hearts, we love we love you guys, and uh, thank you for your support. Uh, and we'll catch you next week. Brad, later, Jordan.